This is an ABC podcast. ABC Radio Australia. This is Fresh Off the Field. The sporting spirit of the Pacific. Ah, talofa lava, and welcome to Fresh Off the Field, the sporting pulse of the Pacific. My name is Bobby McCumber. I am your host this week and every week, and every week I'm joined by a couple of co-hosts as well. Now, before I get to them, this will be the last show of the year. It's episode 20. We, as you know, recorded five in Honiara for the Pacific Games, uh, but it's been an exciting year so far. Very excited to be coming back with Fresh Off the Field as well. as well. Uh, now, each week I'm joined by two expert co-hosts from across the Pacific sharing the latest local sports news on the ground and in the islands. My first co-host is one of the founding editors from the Island Sun newspaper in the Solomon Islands. Joining me from the studio in Adelaide, it's Priestley Habru. Hello, Priestley. Hello, uh, Bobby, and it's good to be back again in this show. Oh, it's wonderful to have you back. You are a regular on the show. Uh, and my second co-host is a reporter for the ABC and based in Tonga. She's back. It's Marion Kupo. <laughs> Malolele, Marion. Malolele, Bobby, and hi, Priestley. It's so good to be back again in this show. <laughs> Uh, Priestley, let's start with you. As a Solomon Islander watching the Pacific Games from Australia, what were you most proud of? Thanks, thanks, Bobby. I think generally as a Solomon Islander, I was really, really proud um, seeing the Pacific Games being hosted in my country for the first time. So it was a wow moment for me and my family watching the opening ceremony. We all stood up when the national anthem was played. I was indeed proud to be a Solomon Islander from you know, from the opening ceremony right through to the closing. It might be a whole new different feeling being actually in the national stadium during those moments, but watching from afar, I am proud that my fellow people are able to pull this through and it brings our identity as Solomon Islanders together. I'm also proud, Bobby, that the 70 Pacific Games was indeed taking place after much doubt, following, you know, winning the bid from Tahiti by just one vote in 2016 in Vanuatu. I remember being interviewed by Richard Ewart from Radio Australia Pacific Beat after Solomon Island won that bid, uh, saying that uh, there was great excitement in Honiara following the announcement that Solomon Islands will host the 2023 Pacific Games. There, yeah, I told Ewart at the time that while locals were thankful, thankful for the opportunity, seven years then was not a long time, and the focus now was on putting the appropriate infrastructure in place, which was exactly what happened. And also, Bobby, I was proud that my country was able to show our Pacific family and the world that we are capable of not only hosting an event of such magnitude, but also competing at the highest level in some of the sports. I'm really proud of everything. One is that I'm proud that the diverse cultures were also on display during the opening and closing ceremony. Uh, and, I mean, you've mentioned many things to be proud of, and you should be. It was exceptional. I absolutely loved it over there. You spoke of the opening ceremony and the closing ceremony. I was fortunate to be there for the closing ceremony, and it was electric. Uh, but the whole games and all the infrastructure, great. Hopefully that'll continue to be used in many years to come. But, yes, you, you won it from Tahiti, and Tahiti will be hosting the That's next right, yeah. Pacific so Games. So we're looking forward to the next one as well. And then Somalians, having had these infrastructures in place, we also hope to win more medals comes 2007 in Tahiti. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully I can get back out there. 2027, actually. To, so. Yeah, 2027. Yeah. Uh, Marion, now Tonga picked up gold in the netball and the women's golf at the Pacific Games. Do you think that that achievement will help boost playing numbers for both of those sports? Uh, thank you, Bobby. With uh, Nepal, definitely will. Um, as you've known, since Stella came on and started ruling the uh, the Pacific in the past year, um, climbing the ladder up to where they are now, making it to the World Cup, and now with uh, winning the gold for the Pacific Games, and Stella have rallied a lot of interest with the young women um, with Nepal. With golf, however, it's a very new sport for young girls, um, for young people, let alone young women or young girls, having to win that gold. It will take time for the Tongan people, especially the Tongan girls, to um, show interest in this game as golf here in Tonga is always looked at as a white-collar kind of game for 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 white people. So we, it, it will take time for them uh, to change and have a mindset of owning uh, golf here. And also 
um, sharing the interests and encouraging um, everyone, not only young girls, but also young men out there too, for growth. Definitely. Alexis Vakasiola uh, was the gold medalist for Tonga, 16 years old. I had a chat with her as well. She's based uh, in Arizona in America, but she not only won gold, she won by 10 strokes. She absolutely whooped everyone <laughs> in it. Uh, so she is no doubt going to get more gold medals during the Pacific Games in many years to come. And of course, Hulita Veve, the captain of Tongatala. Uh, I spoke to her straight after the win and, you know, she was quite emotional and, and excited. And she mentioned that her husband and her kids were there. Her husband, um, I had a chat with him during the semi-final and he said that he was torn because he has, he was Samoan, but of course he was supporting his wife from Tonga. Uh, but they just beat Tonga in the semi-final. But he also won a gold medal. For Samoa playing in the rugby. Yeah, it, yeah but interestingly, Bobby, um, it is true because I've been following Tatala wherever they are, and mm-hmm. her husband and the kids are always there. So, you know, it's it's so good, and I'm always like looking at them, oh, Samoan following the Tonga and Tala team, you know, Tonga rules again. They <laughs> uh, <laughs> <I> do. <laughs> yes, but it, it's very sweet and it's very encouraging, and especially for for. for Julita as a captain of Tala and uh, having to leave uh, Australia where she lives and plays and to come represent Tonga and not only that bringing her whole family with her in her uh, experience with Tala and sometimes even her mother comes along with her aunties and her mother yes is Australian and it, you know it shows how much support that she has um, especially on her Tongan side when that when we see that. Yeah, well, no doubt she did Tonga very proud. Everyone was hoping that they would get the gold, and she and the team succeeded. Uh, now, coming up on the show, they finished fourth on the ladder this season, but this Super Rugby team are hoping to make it to the grand final this season. You'll hear about some local sport that's happening in both the Solomons and Tonga. And who's the best liar out of my co-hosts and I? I'm going to say Priestley, but we'll find out later in the show. Plus, we've got loads more, so make sure you stick around. ABC Radio Australia. You're listening to Fresh Off The Field. Uniting the Pacific through the universal language of sports. Each week, my co-hosts and I will report on sports from across the Pacific. We'll be analysing and detailing all of the best bits in sport. But before we get to that, let's have some fun. Coconut Wireless. The Coconut Wireless is where we discuss sports gossip in your country. What athletes are crossing codes? Which coaches are getting axed? And what did Auntie hear at Bingo? It's not fact. It can't be backed up. But these are rumours happening around sport in your country. Priestley, we're going to start with you, the Solomons. There's been a lot happening over there. What are some of the rumours that you've heard since the Pacific Games? Well, a lot of rumours going around during and most uh, of the rumours actually came after the Games. So there are a lot of rumours circulating at the moment, one of which is that uh, Solomon Islanders uh, expecting price of goods and services in the country to skyrocket due to inflation caused largely by huge spending towards the recent Pacific Games from the national budget of the government. So that's just a rumour. We're not really sure uh, whether it's true, but there's some uh, prediction that there will be, you know, high price of goods towards the Christmas and even as far as early next year. But we also expect some good things to come out from the Pacific Games as well, economically. But um, uh, that, that's how it stands at the moment. These are just rumours that uh, the, econo- the effect that the Pacific Games had on, on the economy because the national uh, government actually spent a lot of uh, money. And there was some prediction that, that it was around 46% of the country's annual budget. Was, uh, was spent during the Pacific Games as, uh, opposed, to, as, as opposed to 22% of its 2022 gross domestic project, uh, product. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's unfortunate. That is happening a lot around the world, though, isn't it? Um, not that it makes it any easier, but the price of living, it's just skyrocketing. Absolutely. Uh, um, and what else have you heard, uh, Priestley? 
Uh, yeah, so these specific games actually uh, given a good uh, standing for the current members of parliament mm. and because they actually brought and deliver a successful Pacific Games. So it could be a ticket for them, most of them, to be re-elected in the uh-huh. national election uh, which supposed to be held, uh, was supposed to happen around April next year. And, yeah, it was actually extended. The, the election was supposed to be held this year, but it was extended and amended in our national constitution just to allow uh, for the games to happen. So it could be a ticket for them, most uh, especially, to, to be re-elected. So that's the rumors going on. So we'll see what happened if people are really going to vote them back again or not. So that's a rumour going around. Yeah, and that's a good one. I mean, it's fresh in their minds, the Pacific Games, the excitement, all of it. So re-elect this Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was a Pacific Games that, you know, it was an event that was never seen before. And yeah. My, people might still be, you know, have hangover of the Games yeah. until the election and then say, yeah, we, we, we're happy, we might just vote the current members of Parliament Bike, we are happy with what they did with the Pacific Games and that kind of thing. Yeah, I think they're. I think that was smart by the government to, to change that. Uh, Marion, what have you heard on the Coconut Wireless in Tonga? Well, um, with my side, I'll be talking about Tonga Rugby Union um, as there is going to be a big reshuffle for next year, uh, come January 2024. There's going to be a new constitution, new board members, new staff, and also new members in the Tonga Rugby Union. Um, All the contracts will end by the 31st of December and we're looking forward to a new fresh start next year and also because there are also new uh, games being introduced to be held here in Tonga. We're talking not only in the Pacific region level but we're also talking on a more um, extended up to I can say international level of uh, rugby games being held here in Tonga. Ah, so you mentioned like everything's going to change. There's going to be a lot of change with contracts and and board and coaches. Is that a good thing for Tonga Rugby Union? Um, we're hoping it's a good thing because I don't know if you've been following Tonga Rugby Union, Bobby and Priestley, because we've had a lot of issue, internal politics issue with our Tonga oh. Rugby Union. Like for as long as I can remember, you know, members going in and out, being handpicked. But now we're looking at a fresh start. And to be able to do that, they need to renew the constitution of the Tonga Rugby Union. And Rugby World Cup has also stepped in to assist, to follow through and make this happen. Um, you, you know, because we have a lot of our potential players here in Tonga locally and also um, internationally. We have a lot of Tongan players playing for other countries. But, you know, having them to come back and represent Tonga... Um, we need to to sustain and have a legit, um, normal, consistent board that can actually run run the board or the Tonga Rugby Union to the best of their abilities and performance-wise. Yeah, absolutely. I think the Rugby World Cup that happened earlier this year as well, Tonga looked fantastic on paper and had so many former All Blacks and a, a former Wallaby as well, but unfortunately could only get the one win, so they were certainly disappointed with that. All right, that's very good. Thank you very much for all of that gossip. Priestley and Marion, that was... Coconuts Wireless. All right, it is time to find out what's happening in sport across our islands. Priestley, the Pacific Games are over in the Solomons, uh, but the sport doesn't stop. What's been happening there at the moment? Yeah, so the Pacific Games uh, actually um, have had have finished, but then you still have some uh, news coming out uh, regarding the Pacific Games. And one of the first uh, local sports that I have here is that uh, uh, due to the success of the Pacific Games, uh, it has been reported that uh, the 2000 and uh, the Osunia football women's qualifiers, the FIFA one, will be held in the Solomons. For that is for the qualifying uh, tournament for the all the uh, women's soccer in the Pacific countries. So I think that's happening around March next year uh, because of the facilities and that kind of thing. So I think they have agreed to, you know, to uh, host the uh, Oceania women's FIFA football uh, qualifiers in the Solomons. So we're looking forward to that as well, you know, and uh, 
playing in the international stadium that you all witnessed during the Pacific Games. Yeah, I was there during the men's final where it was heartbreaking for the Solomons going down to a penalty shootout. But the facilities were fantastic and just the roar from the crowd. So that's fantastic news that there's going to be that FIFA World Cup yes, qualifier there. Yeah, that, that was the uh, goal. I mean, the women and the men's soccer goal in Pacific Games was the one that has eluded us for quite, I mean, for a long time yeah. since the Pacific Games happened. So. Uh, it was the moment that we were all waiting that this could be our chance to win the gold medal, but unfortunately, uh, it was nuts out from us from New Caledonia, yeah. and they played really, really well. And yeah, so since 1963, when the Pacific Games happened, uh, we've only been like one four silvers, I guess, and then bronze, uh, many other bronze medals, mm. but never the gold. So that was a missed chance, yeah. and we are hoping. Yeah, it was, it was a chance that uh, they could have won a gold medal in front of the home crowd, you know, the passionate home crowd that, uh, you know, loved their football and, and soccer. Yeah, it was a big day and I was running between that stadium and the Nepal Stadium where Tonga uh, defeated Fiji for the gold medal there. So I did get to say that, see that and then come back for the penalty shootout. Whew, I tell you what, I was sweating. But anyway, uh, what else is happening, Priestley, in the, in the Solomon Islands? Yeah, so uh, after the Pacific Games, there were all these uh, congratulations and all... Uh, uh, thanking the athletes and all the organising committees and all the people involved in running the, the games. So uh, an event that happened last Sunday was, uh, you know, in, in the Pacific, we uh, always, uh, you know, religion is very important. And before the games happen, we dedicate the place to God and that kind of thing, prayer. And then also at the closing, we also need to, to thank God for, you know, for looking after them. So there was this uh, Thanksgiving service uh, held uh, on Sunday uh, in Honiara, where um, the Prime Minister was also in, in attendance. And they uh, actually took the time to, to thank um, uh, the, the players and the athletes and the officials during this Thanksgiving services, uh, service to, you know, for their participation in, in the Pacific Games. So the Prime Minister wa- was saying that uh, it was a very successful um, uh, delivery of the largest Pacific Games ever held since the first Pacific Games was hosted, you know, in Fiji in 1963. He said the nation was proud of Team Solomon. It was the best ever performance, uh, winning a total of 80 medals, 12 gold, 37 silvers, and 31 bronze. And it was actually the first time that Solomon's um, won more than, you know, more than half of what it used to win in, in past Pacific Games. So, yeah, so that was. Uh, uh, you know, thanking uh, them uh, in a in a church service, and uh, yeah, and we're very proud of uh, their participation in the Pacific Games. Uh, you can see the, how important it was because the Prime Minister was also there to attend the service and, and thank the uh, athletes and the officials that represent Solomon Islands in the Pacific Games. Mm, Eighty medals across gold, silver, and and bronze—that's fantastic. Yeah, it was uh, originally predicted that we uh, we would like to win 40 gold medals, mm. uh, but that happened. But at least the medals, you know, total count of the medals, uh, regardless of bronze, silver or gold, but we all, you know, a, t- a total of 80 medals is more than enough. Oh, I, and I tell you what, in the fir- on the first day, local legend Jen Lee Winnie won three gold medals, one of the first gold medal of the Games. Yes. I bet you the Prime Minister was like, yes, we are on track for 40 gold medals here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and he was actually present there to hand over the medals to Jenlin Winnie. Yeah, so that was a very significant, uh, you know, a symbolic event that he hosted the Games and the first uh, medal was awarded to uh, the flag bearer as well, Jenlin Winnie, and one of our top athletes, and the Prime Minister was there to hand over the medals. Yeah. What else do you have, Priestley? Yeah, so uh, um, a local uh, soccer club uh, participating in the... uh, Premier Soccer League, we call it the uh, Telecom Super League in, in soccer in, in Solomons. Uh, it's called SOSA, which is uh, Selwyn, All, Selwyn All Students Association. Selwyn is actually a high school in, in the Solomons. Uh, so it was one of the uh, clubs that participated in the TSL and one of the new clubs that just entered into the 2003 season. They actually received uh, some soccer kits from New Zealand. There was a New Zealand police officer who... Uh, is in the Solomons uh, as part of the um, supporting uh, police uh, Solomons police support program in the Solomons, and he actually played soccer with the, with this local club, 
And uh, just uh, in in, res- in last week, he donated uh, some uh, soccer kits for the club. Uh, the, the soccer kits actually were donated from Scots College and from Tower FC, both uh, uh, from Wellington in New Zealand. So SOSA president, uh, Mr. Robert Iroga, said SOSA will aim to stay in the TSL, the Telecom Super League, for a long time and will try to stay competitive uh, in, in the competition. So... Um, so Sosa actually came eight in its first season in the in the TSL, the Super League, and uh, one of the two clubs that just entered into into that Premier uh, Soccer League in the Solomons. Uh, we have twelve clubs participating in the, the TSL, and yeah, they were really happy to receive some new soccer kits from from New Zealand. Oh, it's wonderful. I mean, anyone would love to receive free soccer kits anywhere around the world. So that's fantastic. Absolutely. Good to see that they can get yeah. that. Thank you very much for that, Priestley. Uh, fantastic wrap of sport in the Solomons. Uh, Marion, what sports are keeping the Tongan people busy at the moment? Um, as of now, we have a local competition, a rugby local competition. Uh, the prize is $10,000 for whoever wins the cup for this one. Um, and in the meantime, there is this uh, tradition, uh, kind of like a netball thing, but it's called Nine Aside. There's actually nine players in it. Uh, this type of netball... We call it here in Tonga basketball, but it's literally kind of like netball. Has been played throughout Tonga and also the Tongan Islands for as long as I remember. So that kind of a nine-a-side uh, basketball slash netball, um, it's kind of tradition for us Tonga when school is out for Christmas and summertime. Um, each village they have their own teams. Sometimes, sometimes there's uh, three or five teams per village, and they travel from village to village. Just playing, um, you know, like uh, com- competing for actually just the fun of it and just mainly like a, like a kind of like a social gathering uh, during the, the Christmas holidays. And it's one way of uh, exposing netball here in Tonga too. Um, but with the rugby competition... Um, everybody's playing for money nowadays and this competition is great because uh, we also have a team from Vava'u, one of the outer islands here in Tonga, joining in this um, uh, in this uh, competition that's currently going on. Ah, so this uh, netball basketball combination <laughs> game of netball, does it have a specific <laughs> name? Um, it's just called here in Tonga Papolo, which is basically ah. a slang for like basketball. Um, ah. Before netball Netball was ever introduced in Tonga. Um, they had played that kind of type of netball like in the years to come. My mother of uh, 74 years old, she used to play in her younger years. So you can relate back to that's how far Tongan girls have been playing papolo um, here in Tonga. Ah, and you mentioned the prize money with the rugby competition happening in Tonga. Do they have those that kind of prize money for other sports, or is it just the rugby that really attracts those big prize pools? It's, it's always it's always rugby, and the host or who's facilitating and actually running this competition, it's a it's kind of like it's a church uh, congregation where they just kind of like uh, encourage people just to come in. It's something for the boys to occupy the time after the school breaks, you know, and not only that, just making things happen here in Tonga. Because mind you, Priestley and Bobby, here in Tonga, it's an island, we don't have any movie theatre. Well, we used to, Mm. and then the riots came in 2006 and they burned it down. We don't Mm. have any movie theatre, we don't have any circus, we we don't have something that will attract and get people or students or or visitors coming overseas to be busy with, except weddings, <laughs> except weddings and birthdays. That's what's happening nowadays and going to the beach. But other than that, there's nothing to, to socialize um, during the day and during the holidays. Mm, that's one of the best things about sport is that it can be so social as well. Good for your health, good for social and good for the community as well. Um, Marion, you had a chance to catch up with someone this week? Yes, I did. I caught up with uh, the team manager for judo, 
Tonga Judo Association, Mr. Fine Moala. Very young lad, uh, very edu- well educated, and also he's also the French honorary here in Tonga, so he can speak French fluently, and uh, he's very excited and always uh, supportive of judo. And uh, I caught up with him, and he was very excited to to be speaking with uh, with ABC. Thank you, Marianne. So. Uh, judo in Tonga, um, we are relatively small compared to other sports, but we try to, um, um, keep it going. Um, so this year we, we, um, managed to get back on the international stage, um, after COVID, which was, which was pretty good. Um, and we have, uh, so one club. Um, in the whole of Tonga, uh, we, we separated from five to 13 year olds and then 13 year olds, uh, 14 year olds and older. So we have about 15 to 20 kids and eight to 10, um, senior class, uh, members. Um, and yep, so like I said, we, competing internationally after COVID. We went to two competitions this year. Um, the Auckland International Open back in July and more recently the Pacific Games in um, Solomon Islands. Okay, let's talk about the last competition that the Judo Tonga uh, joined, which was the Pacific Game in the Solomons. Um, can you uh, share with us the great news and also the journey of Judo uh, during the Pacific Games this year? Yeah, so um, we started a preparation um, early last year. Um, uh, I would say um, after the COVID lockdown we had here in early 2022. Um, and then we started preparing for um, for the Pacific Games. Um, unfortunately, we went down from a... Uh, we were, there were up to 10 athletes preparing and then along the way, uh, injuries and other commitments. And we managed to only send three people to the Pacific Games um, last month. Um, but we did get two bronze medals from the uh, team of three, so that's um, a pretty good outcome <laughs> from the small team that we sent. Fini, can you talk about those those medalists from judo, their ages and their name and how long they've been with uh, with judo? Yeah, um, so, so, so two medalists eh, from the team of three. So, um, Sailosi LLA in the plus hundred. Um, he, uh, he's been doing judo for I think, close to 10 years. And this was his, actually his um, fourth medal um, in the Pacific Games or mini games. Um, so he's, uh, he's quite experienced. And then um, Yasmin Aho in the under 100 category, he also had a bronze medal. He just started um, competing internationally this year. So, and he's, he was the only one who did the Auckland International Open earlier in the year. Oh, wow. And, the game, and he got bronze there as well. So wow. um, that's uh, pretty good for us. Um, and then, um, and, and he only started judo in 2019. Um, the third member, um, Kafoa Hala, He's uh, based in New Zealand. Um, he started judo back in 2018. We, he was pretty good. We, we went with him to the 2019 Pacific Games, um, where he narrowly lost his uh, bronze medal fight. And he was hoping to finally get a medal here, but once again, make it to the podium. Uh, yes. Without um, the the coach, you know, the coach also plays uh, uh, one of the major roles in the in a team or in any sport team. Can you talk about the coach? And also, I think I saw that Peter Taufotofua, the Tongan oil 
guy um, um, flag barrier was also supporting the judo i mean why is that um yeah so so our, our coach um Akape Latu, he was a former athlete um he was a judo olympian back in 2004 in athens uh greece um so obviously he's also been multiple time um medals in the Pacific Games and Oceania Championships. Um, he obviously plays a, a, a big role and has been to um, you know, a much bigger competition um, and can, can, can still put up a good sparring session for our, for our athletes. Um, so obviously he plays a, a, a vital role um, Peter Tafatovo was there for the Taekwondo. Um, uh, but we, we have a good relationship with the Taekwondo um, coaches. Um, but, uh, Master Paula uh, uh, there and, and also the, the Taekwondo athletes here. Actually, some of them doing their, um, they're not training for for um, any competition, they, they sometimes come in and join some of our classes. Yes, Fini, one of my last questions will be, tell me something that I don't know or a lot of people don't know about judo here in Tonga. Okay, um, I guess we... Judo was founded back in uh, here in Tonga um, in the 80s. Um, by a, a Swedish gentleman called Benny Neat. Um, and the, the first president um, of the Tonga Judo Association he was actually Prince Lavaka back then, who is now His Majesty King Tupotopix. He was the first president of Judo and then later became the patron. Um, and Benny Neat taking over the, the president role Fine, I have to ask, did His Majesty back then, as still the prince, did he, was he a student, uh, a judo student? Um, that's what I understand from Benny. Yes. Uh, he, was a, wow. he was a judo practitioner back in, in uh, the days. Wow, that is interesting <laughs> because um, I can never imagine or think of our king judoing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, his um, grandchildren are joining us. He joined us this year. So the Crown Prince's um, children are with us in judo. <laughs> wow, wow. I think we're going to have a, a royal family judo team soon. <laughs> That's very exciting. Anyway, uh, Finis, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate this uh, information and all the best for Tonga Judo Association here in Tonga in the future. Thank you. Thank you for having us, Marianne. Thanks. Oh, there we have it, Marianne. Nice little interview there. So the king of Tonga, also the king of judo. Is that right? <laughs> you know, Bobby, I was I was very shocked to know this because I, um, I can imagine him. <laughs> um, you know, it's not protocol to, to for us here in Tonga to have uh, him or them to be joining sports in some way. But I guess he was very interested in him. And I'm very glad that he, also his uh, grandchildren are also joining. Um, so most likely we're going to have a Royal Judo Tonga Association soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd love to hear it. It was great to hear from Finne Moala, the president of Tonga Judo Association. Uh, thanks very much for that, Marion and Priestley. Uh, let's talk about some sport across the Pacific now. Uh, Priestley, the Fijian flag bearer, you got some news on them? Yes, so that's uh, Daniela or Dan Rainibongi, who was the Fijian flag bearer during the Pacific Games in, in the Solomons. And he also uh, won three gold medals uh, during his participation in Honiara uh, in the 109 weight category. But, yeah, he's been also voted the best athlete of the Pacific 17 Pacific Games, the best male athlete. Uh, but he was uh, straight after the Pacific Games, he uh, was participating at the uh, uh, International Weightlifting Federation Grand Prix in Qatar. Uh, so just uh, in f probably just a few days ago. And... Uh, 
Uh, the 25 old uh, actually set three new Cornwall Games records and three Oceania records, so six in total in the snatch as well as in the clean and jack event. So these records are actually Oceania records and Cornwall Games records. He actually collected a silver medal in the snatch event and a bronze in the clean and jack and a total of bronze medals, one bronze medal in total of those two uh, category of the uh, event that is that is participated on. So, yeah. Uh, Rani Bongi, the flag bearer and male athlete of the 17 Pacific Games in Solomon Islands, uh, is a good ambassador for Fiji. And his participation was actually uh, being um, uh, assisted by the Prime Minister himself, Siti Beni Rabuka, and the Fijian government um, to participate in, the, in that particular uh, uh, competition. As we've heard in the Solomons, uh, General Muni was also suppo- supposed to attend uh, uh, the uh, Grand Prix in Qatar, but due to some financial uh, issues, he wasn't able to go. Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, congratulations to, I mean, Athlete of the Year, but then going and smashing all these records. So he would have flown out straight after his events and then gone straight to Qatar, is that right? Cause yes, he wasn't there. I, I, would, I would guess so, yeah. So mm. straight after the Pacific Games, he must have gone straight by uh, gone straight to Qatar or maybe from Fiji and then go straight to Qatar. Yeah, I was at the closing ceremony and yeah, I did notice he was named athlete of the year but mm. didn't uh, athlete of the games yeah. but wasn't there unfortunately. Yeah, but so he must be on his way now that uh, during the closing ceremony in Honira. Mm, busy busy, but that's very exciting, especially seeing the Pacific represented on the world stage. Uh, looking forward to seeing him. I have no doubt he'll be performing or competing at the Paris. Yeah, 2024 yeah. Paris Olympics. Olympics, can't wait yeah. for that. Uh, Marion, something big is happening in Tonga next year, sports related. What is it? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Uh, Bobby, it's uh, not only big, but it's very historical. Tonga will be hosting the first ever Super Rugby Games held here in Tonga um, come May the 4th, 2024. Moana Pacifica versus uh, Highlanders. The the game will be held here at Deofaiva Park. And uh, we're so looking forward to it. It's the first time ever for Tonga to host the Super Rugby here in Tonga. And um, it's, it, it's a milestone for us. Oh, that's incredible. We saw earlier this year the Pacific Championships and we had some games in Port Moresby. One of the great things about all of these Australian and New Zealand-based teams was they're going out into the communities. They're not just playing their games. They're going out into the communities and running clinics or, or doing other events as well. Do you imagine that uh, players or, or the clubs Moana Pacifica and Highlanders will do that as well, not just stay for the game, but stay a little bit longer and really embrace the Tongan uh, community? Um, not only the players, uh, Bobby, I'm also told that um, the airfares in May has just skyrocketed, like it just tripled. <laughs> so I think the demand for that, given that we only have three airlines that comes into our um, to our country, which is Fiji Airways, Air New Zealand and Qantas, and the, everybody's like asking, oh, why is the airfares ridiculously high? It's because of this, because we know that their families of the players are coming, fans are coming, and just, you know, anyone that's Tongan probably or even related to all these um, players in the Moana Pacifica, they would want to watch them, especially here at home. So um, it's going to be a full house in May, not only because of the rugby, because May here in Tonga is also considered as family month. We start off with the White Sunday for the children, and then we have our Mother's Day, and then we also have a Tongan Father's Day all in May, every Sunday in May. There's a, there's something to celebrate. And then you add on the Super Rugby. Ooh, I think Tonga is going to sink with all these people coming into our country. <laughs> that's, that's actually a historical uh, uh, event for you, Tonga, uh, Marianne. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be huge. I guess, well, you know, the, the thing that I'm, that I'm very excited about is um, after the eruption, we, we want to bring back um, the, our Tongan people back in here so that we can also revive not only the Tongans, but also visitors, tourists, just to revive our economy. And it and, and gives job to some people here in Tonga, um, give them business so, you know, so that we can able to, like, move forward. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, that volcanic eruption happening 
on the 15th of Jan in 2022. So it is good to see Tonga rebuilding and, and getting lots of games like this happening as well. So May skyrocketing uh, flight costs. So you might want to fly over in March or April. Uh, another thing that's happening. So the Global Youth Sevens, formerly known as the World School Sevens, uh, took place in the Gold Coast this week with another round of competition kicking off in Auckland. Uh, and that happens tomorrow. So the Global Youth Sevens is an international under 18 boys and girls rugby sevens tournament. And it brings together 24 girls and boys teams across Australia, New Zealand, the Pacific and around the world as well. Uh, the event showcases some of the highest tier upcoming talent from all around the world. Great opportunity for young players to get noticed as well because they have national coaches and talent ID staff that are heavily involved with the tournament too. Uh, so Gold Coast, we had uh, games from the 9th to the 10th of December. Uh, the Pacific teams that were competing, we had teams from the Cook Islands, Tonga, uh, Nauru and Nui as well. The girls Tongan uh, team made an impressive debut. They debuted in the Global Youth Sevens tournament, winning two out of their three pool matches. Uh, they were eventually knocked out in the quarterfinals in a tough match against a strong University of Queensland side. But Tonga, the Tongan women rugby, I tell you, they are really standing out. They did in the Pacific Games. Looks like their juniors are coming through here as well. So that'll be uh, something. Maybe a Super Rugby W game might be in Tonga in years to come. Uh, as I mentioned, Auckland from the 15th to the 17th of December, that competition will continue. And the Pacific teams competing there will be New Zealand, Fijians, uh, New South Wales, Fiji, uh, Tonga and the Cook Islands. So amongst all of those local teams, it will no doubt showcase a large Pacifica-based uh, squads as well as we do see in the Super Rugby and also the NRL. Uh, it's always nice to hear all about the sport that's happening across our islands, so thank you Priestley and Marion. Fresh off the field. The Sporting Pulse of the Pacific. ABC Radio Australia. Well, we've been talking about the Super Rugby. It is happening uh, in February, so it's coming up. We're all starting to ease into our summer breaks, and these guys are just ramping up, including this guy. Fred Cahia is a 24-year-old prop who's represented the Brumbies in the under-16s and under-20s. He's now coming into his third season for the Brumbies Super Rugby squad. I asked him, when did he first pick up a rugby ball? When I was about probably 10 or 11. But that was rugby league, so I didn't pick up. I didn't start playing rugby union until I got to Australia, which was about 2014, so about nine years ago now. What made the change from league to union? I'm not sure. I always had the love for sport. Grew up obviously in New Zealand, um, obviously uh, all blacks at heart. <laughs> and now, yeah, just watching them and then falling in love with the game, but obviously didn't pick it up until late. Um, made the switch because my auntie told me to get out of the house and go try rugby union <laughs> instead of just <laughs> holidays. So, yeah, then so it just went from there. Yeah, cool. I bet that auntie is looking down now at your career going, I made that happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who were some of your idols growing up? Idols was uh, Owen Franks from All Blacks. Right now would be, oh, the past few years would be Alice Genge. From England. Yeah. yeah. And then just like Richard McCall, Dan Carter, just watching him as a kid was just very uh, fascinating watching him play. You debuted for the Brumbies in round six of the 2021 season. Uh, who was the first person that you told? My housemates, actually. Yeah. yeah. So I was in the rugby house in Queenian, and it was them that first knew. And then later on, I just gave the call to the family, and then the rest. Yeah, the rest of the cousins, because too many cousins. <laughs> uh, who came to that game? A lot of, so a lot of them, maybe it was like 50 or 60, oh. family and friends was there. So, yeah, I was trying to get tickets for everyone, but uh, they were telling me that uh, they got to give them that certain amount of tickets for free. So I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, all good. <laughs> I love that. How did it feel having them in the crowd when you were playing? Well... Obviously, it was like coming off the bench and just running up and down doing warm-ups. Was just, they were like the loudest group in the in the building. Like everyone knew because they had posters on my face and stuff. So everyone knew that was like my family and friends. But yeah, it was very loud. And then getting on the field, they were like the only people that I heard screaming like throughout the whole stadium, which was uh, very exciting and 
a bit nervous, but then obviously getting the touch of the ball and making first tackle and run was just another game of rugby. Oh, that's very cool. Uh, you've got Tongan heritage. Tell me about your connection to Tonga. Mum and dad's Tongan. Um, yeah, dad's from Mofanga Fasi. Mum is from Kolomotua. Have you been to Tonga yourself? Yeah, I grew up in Tonga for, I'd say, most of my childhood. And then went to New Zealand. And then moved to Oz after that. Yeah, right. When you were in Tonga, were you playing rugby at all then? Or what are your memories of growing up in Tonga? I wasn't really playing. Uh, yeah, it was more just general rugby. It wasn't competition rugby. It was just um, obviously just community just coming together every day after school, throwing the ball around or whatever we had, like a bottle of water, mm-hmm. empty bottle of water, or a slipper, like a, a song <laughs> sign. Yeah. It was anything that we had around. If it wasn't a rugby ball, it was just buying something and make it as a rugby ball. Have you been back to Tonga since, since you were a child growing up? Uh, yes, went back to 2019 for three weeks and it was, yeah, very humbling to go back and obviously being back there and just seeing how the lifestyle is just makes me very grateful and grounded when I get back here and have these um, type of opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Did you bring any rugby balls with you when you went back there, 2019? Uh, no, I didn't actually. So <laughs> asked for lollies and um, chocolates. <laughs> Priorities, I guess. Yeah. Uh, now, you're into your third season now. How has your game changed from your first season to now, do you think? I'm still learning at the moment, but I've adapted and just slowly like finding ways to obviously play smarter, not harder. So, yeah, use my energy wisely, but and definitely taking some experience and just learning off the Wallabies boys past and present has really helped me. How is it training alongside those Wallabies players? I don't know what to say. Like, first season coming in, training um, with Scotty Seal and James Slipper was just, like, unrealistic. Like, I couldn't... <laughs> I had to pinch myself to realise who I was training with. Like, playing with them on the rugby game and then obviously now being their teammate and, like, being a young and coming through, just learning from them was, yeah, pretty unreal. Hmm. Uh, the Brumbies finished fourth in 2023. What do you think we can expect from them this season? Uh, I think we've learned a lot from the um, from last year and learned, yeah, probably the mistakes and a few weapons that we could do from that semi-finals game. And we're pushing, we're pushing for a grand final spot next year. Finally, I'll just ask you about uh, the Rugby World Cup. Obviously, your eyes would have been on the Tongan team. Uh, what would it mean to you to represent Tonga in a Rugby World Cup one day? Yeah, it would mean a lot. Especially just knowing mum and dad from there and representing where they come from and just the heritage and the passion and the history of the Tongan um, team. Yeah, it would be a very emotional one if I do put on the red jersey and represent them. How many tickets do you reckon you could get or how many family members are going to ask for tickets if you do get <laughs> selected for Tonga? Don't know. Depends <laughs> where the game is. Thanks. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Fred, and good luck for the upcoming Super Rugby season. All right, thank you. That was Fred Kahia of the Brumbies, who will be looking to go further into the Super Rugby Finals this season. All right, well, before we finish up, it's time to get to know my co-host and I just a little bit more. It's time for our next segment. Giamman Stapwe. Giamman is talk pissing for Pick the Lie. Each co-host will tell us three things about themselves. Two will be true and one will be a lie. The other two co-hosts will have to try to Giamman Stapwe. Priestley, three things. First thing, uh, Marriott, why are you laughing? <laughs> first, first thing, uh, just listen very carefully. Uh, first thing, I love listening to reggae music. Second one, I love football or soccer. Mm-hmm. I follow, that's the last one, I follow Man- Manchester United FC in the English Premier League as a football or soccer fan. All right. So the first one, you love radio music. The next one, you love football or soccer. And the third one, you follow Manchester United in the Premier 
League. Yep. Um, Marianne, which one do you think the lie is? So the second and third one, they're kind of like identical. So I'm going for the first one. The oh, first I, one. I you like what you've done there. Music. Like radio music. You know, last time we played this, I I liked your reasoning, Marion, and so I followed you, and then I was wrong. I like your reasoning here, but I'm going to go against you, and I'm going to say you don't follow Manchester United. So, Priestley, what is the lie? Yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, Marion, the reasoning was good, but then Bobby won because I actually followed Arsenal, uh, not Manchester United. Gotcha! Boom! One to me. Marion, zero. Okay, your turn, Marion. Not that I'm being competitive. Uh, tell me three things about yourself, please. Two true, one lie. Okay, I have met the King of Tonga. That's my first one. The second one is my birthday is on Christmas Day. And the last one is I have never been to Samoa. Okay, that's okay. That's very interesting. You'll find out why soon. But Okay, so the first one is you've met the King of Tonga. The next one is your mm-hmm. birthday is on Christmas Day. Day, and the last one is mm-hmm. you've never been to Samoa. Uh, Priestley, what is the lie? Oh, that's tricky, Marianne, but I would say <laughs> that uh, you've already been to Samoa, so that's the lie. Ah, you think that's the lie? Yeah. I'm going to say your birthday is not on Christmas Day. I think that's a lie. Marianne, what is the lie? Yes, I won. I have never met the King of Tonga. <laughs> oh, so you've never met the King of Konga. Konga, Tonga. Your birthday is on Christmas Day. Yes, my birthday is on Christmas Day, and I wow. have never been to Samoa. I've been oh, wow. almost everywhere in the Pacific except Samoa. Oh, <laughs> is that because of the Tonga Samoa rivalry? Is that why you refuse to no, go there? No, I'm always. I don't refuse. I'm actually quarter. I think my great grandfather is Samoan. Just that I just every time I have a reason to go there, like with the Pacific, last Pacific Games in 2019, I couldn't go because I was busy doing something here. I was like, oh. John missed that uh, one, so I have never been. But yes, uh, my birthday is on Christmas, and I do not like it any any bit. This is very funny. I'll tell you why. Because <laughs> my three things, they're all Christmas related. You know what my first one is? I Your was born on, on Christmas. I was born on Christmas Day. Uh, second one, I spent Christmas in Abayang, Kiribati, with my family as a child. And then the third one is I spent Christmas in Apia, Samoa, with my friends as an adult. So, uh, Priestley, we'll start with you. Which one of those are a lie? And I wrote these before the show started. I didn't know what Marion was going to say. My clue is that because you said nobody is born on Christmas, like you said Marion wasn't born on Christmas. So the lie is you were not born on yes. Christmas Day. Yes. You know, she just gave it away when she was like, wow, your birthday's on Christmas. Like, she just gave it away. Just like you that. think, or am I fooling you? So, are you going to lock that in, Priestley? Yes, you're so locking that's what I think I'm locking. Yeah. I'm with Priestley on this one. I'm with him on this one. Yeah. Well, you know what? Stuff you both. Yeah, you got it right. I, I was not born on Christmas <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 So I guess I won. Yes, Mary. Yeah, you won. Congratulations, yeah. Congratulations, Mary. Uh, happy birthday to you. Yes. Yeah, your birthday's coming up. Coming up. Oh, that was a lot of fun. I, I can't believe I got myself unstuck. Uh, that does bring us to the end of the show for this week and the year, actually. Uh, a big thank you to my co-host, Priestley Habru, founding editor of the Island Sun newspaper in the Solomons. Thank you, Priestley. Thank you, Bobby, and I wish all our listeners a Merry Christmas as well and Happy New Year and also... Uh, Happy birthday to Marion as well. <laughs> and of course, uh, ABC reporter based in Tonga and the birthday girl coming up, Marion Kupu. Uh, thanks, Marion. Thank you very much, Bobby, for having me for the second time and also great uh, to have Prissy on board all, all the time. Thank you both very much and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And thank you for the birthday wishes. Of course. Uh, and you can give me birthday wishes on the 30th of March. Uh, thank you for listening to Fresh Off the Field, the sporting pulse of the Pacific on ABC Radio Australia. This was our last show of the year, but we will be back in 2024 with more sport, more interviews coming to you from our in-country experts every Thursday. Uh, thank you for listening. We hope you have a wonderful summer holiday. We'll be back on Thursday, the 18th of January, 2024. This episode was produced on the lands of the Ghana people.
This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.